Should Christians celebrate Halloween? I wanted to clear that up. What's Halloween about? What's the whole activity about? I believe it's of the devil, and I know it is, but I uh, hope to convince you of some of that. It's a replacement for Thanksgiving. used to be Christmas and Thanksgiving were the two biggest events in our culture. Right now, Thanksgiving has taken third place to Halloween. As far as the markets are concerned, as far as the commercialization is concerned, they make big money on it. But let's, get, let's just start out with Halloween, as some claim, as some claim, is a kind of demon worship, or is it just a harmless vestige of some ancient pagan ritual? Now, this message can be found, validation of the introduction to my message, can be found uh, by a pastor, uh, Bobby Smith, S-T-U-L-T-S. He's done the research. I did the research once and presented this at Longview Baptist Temple in Longview, Texas. He was in Shreveport, Louisiana at Parkside Baptist about 60 miles away. I don't know which one of us robbed each other the worst, but this message is line for line almost what I preached, and it was at that time put all over the Internet, and I don't know if I robbed from him originally or he robbed from me, but saved me a lot of research at the time, and I'm going to share that research with you. His name is Bobby, S-T-U-L-T-S, and he, you can find his message on the Internet, and uh, so I'm claiming him as my double witness for this. Now, as far as where we're going with the testimonies of this message, that's a whole different ballgame, but the introduction is almost word for word what I presented several years ago. Halloween is, okay, in North America, the early observation of Halloween amounts to a multi-billion dollar industry, second only to Christmas, selling costumes, candy, food items, party supplies, greeting cards, tours of so-called haunted houses, and other forms of entertainment. So it's a big deal, Halloween is. All right, what is the history of Halloween? Something we uh, need to, should know. I uh, was raised as a devout Catholic, and I always questioned, my biggest problem was I always questioned anything somebody told me was spiritual. And when I got to Bible college later, I would always say, show me the verse. I'm not a Baptist because I was trained a Baptist. I was a, I'm a Baptist because I picked independent Baptist because that lines up with what I think the Bible tells me, not what somebody taught me. And so I have always asked why. And so I wanted to find out why, what Halloween's all about. Now, it might come as a shock to you, but the Catholic Church incorporated anything religious into Halloween on its, on its request to rule the world. And uh, it also did the same with Christmas. So what I'm telling you isn't only to compares only to Halloween. It, some of our other holidays have been marred by ritualism. What is the history of Halloween? 2,000 years ago, approximately, people called Celts, C-E-L-T-S, Celtics or Celts, lived in what is now Ireland, Great Britain, and France. The race of people among the Celtics people was an elite intellectual class known as Druids. 
Sounds a little like Star Wars, doesn't it? Who served as a religious who served as religious priests, lawmakers, and scientists. They were the wise men of that part of the country. They were the elitist. They made the rules. They ruled the land. They had an elaborate pagan ritual festival among a certain among their rituals. Chief among those was the fire festival. Fire festival, clean, and they give you S O W E N shonen. Doesn't that sound a little bit like the uh, down the road here? What's the, what do they call the guys that are spiritual leaders of the truck? Shamans, almost the same thing. Observed harvest time to mark the Celtic year. They had a fire festival, and it was at the end of the year when the harvest was their Thanksgiving, more or less. Who did they attribute the thanks to? Well, we'll find out. The Celtics believe that on, the, on this night, the night of the Celtic New Year, the night of the fire festival, which took place approximately the same time we have Thanksgiving, the barrier between the natural world and the supernatural world was removed. And the spirits of the dead were able to move freely among human beings. It was the most solemn and important part of the Celtic year. It was when they interacted with the spirit world. After the Roman Catholics came to the Celtic people in the 7th century, some of their traditional folk customs were adopted by the church. In 835 A.D., Pope Gregory moved the church's Feast of All Saints from the spring to the November 1st to replace the observance of the fire festival. They do that quite a bit. That's how they captured Christmas and made it a, a date that we have to live with. All Saints Day still is still observed today by, <coughs> by many Catholics. The night before which... The sacred virgin came to be known as Hallow's Eve or Halloween. Had to do with the virgin birth at the time, and they call it Halloween. Uh, <clears throat> you'd think it'd be about the time they weaned the Christ child, not the time he was born. But the old practice of the Druids died hard and were denounced by the church as witchcraft. This is how Halloween became known as a witch's holiday. Dressing in costumes and going door-to-door -door comes from a much later tradition in the British Isles. Mass players would go from house to house, putting, up, putting on a simple drama or musical performance in return for food and drink. Often these performances had spiritual implications. They'd have uh, reenact the Lord's Supper and, and different things like that. The trick-or-treat custom we know today as thoroughly American in or origin. In the 19th century, when the Irish and Scottish immigrants brought their Halloween traditions to North America, the night became an occasion for pranks and mischief. Vandals would go through the night soaping windows, overturning outhouses, and pulling gates from their hinges, of which I am guilty of all. These pranks were playfully said to be the work of witches and ghosts. One time we put stocking hats over our head and cut little holes in them and ran around them. By the 1920s, the joke wasn't funny anymore. The damage in the neighborhoods was mounting. Now, I did this way after the 1920s. 
to uh, counteract Halloween, vandalism, community clubs like the Boy Scouts began to organize alternatives and safe for fun activities. Children were encouraged to go door to door and receive treats from homeowners and merchants, keeping the troublemakers away. By the 1930s, the practice was popular nationwide and young voices crying trick or treat were echoed throughout neighborhood streets. And it's taken off since then every way it could because they could make money selling candy. You know, you go to some of the farthest stores in this area. I mean, off-grid, what do they call them, government stores or whatever, native stores, they'll have lots of candy because it's got a long shelf life. <laughs> and I've seen M&Ms and Snickers candy bars in places you wouldn't imagine, but they've got them there. And uh, it's a big, big money, the candy industry. And they're just behind Halloween and Easter as much as they can be in those regards. Christians and civic elements from the Halloween celebration were known today. In recent decades, however, our renewed interest in the old pagan beliefs has blossomed in North America. Popular entertainment makes the occult themes witchcraft seem fun and acceptable. You think of the movie Bewitched. I remember when that came out. Maybe you don't. I didn't like Dick Van Dyke when I was a kid. I didn't like uh, Lucy because she always made a fool of her husband. That was her literal husband that played the part of her husband, and he uh, divorced her after that series. <laughs> Ran for a couple of years. Yeah, that was his. Uh, what was his name? Oz. 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 Arnett. Yeah. And but Bewitched was the cake. It was a lady that wiggled her nose and did witchcraft. Harmless, yeah, so all, it's all harmless. Till you go by a street in Mexico City that has a church to the black god on it, and by black I mean demons, and it's called black church. And then you realize it's not just harmless. You realize that every Halloween on their highest and sacred day, the Feast of Fire, they literally put children through fire. The innocent, the younger, the better. And it is, that is just where it starts. All right. Satan is real. The Bible clearly states that God is the God of this world is the highest authority. Or, excuse me, the Bible clearly states that God is the world's highest authority. He gave Satan a certain amount of power. With God's permission, the evil in this world is under Satan's control. And it is. This is why the Apostle Paul said in Ephesians 6, 12, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of the darkness of this world, and against spiritual wickedness in high places. Spiritual wickedness in high places. These are entities that cannot die. This morning we talked about the uh, swine being uh, taken over by demons. The demons cannot die. They were ushered down into the sea and then put in chains in the fiery pit you read about in Revelations. That's our best assumption of that. Always wondered why that showed up and then they get all, death and hell and all that's thrown in the fiery pit later and why God releases some of those. Those very demons right now are locked and being punished, but they will be released in the end times again. And then they'll be put death and hell. See, 
we don't realize it, but demons are spiritual beings. They were created by God. They're stronger than us, more intelligent than us, more powerful than us. In every way, they're better than us, except they don't have the emotional, or not the emotional, the cognitive skills to make their own choice. Uh, if you read about Lucifer taking the angels, he took the angels with him. I don't know, and I'm under the persuasion that they really don't have quite the choice we have. And they envy our choices as far as salvation and eternal life. We have two chances at life. They only had one. All right. There's a little bit of history of Halloween. So, uh, you know, if you want to get involved with it, that's up to you to get involved with. My uh, verse for this message is, and they overcame him, that's the devil. Lucifer in Revelations 12:11, they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they loved not their lives unto death. <coughs> they overcame him, being Lucifer, by the blood of the lamb. I have victory over Satan, ultimately, because of salvation in Jesus Christ, Revelations 12:11. I have a chance to overcome him by the blood of Jesus Christ. I claim the blood of Jesus Christ whenever I'm confronted by him or know I'm being directly confronted by him or his kind. And I overcome him by the word of their testimony. I've held an infant child in my arms that was abused in every way you could imagine. Going into epilepsy fits, ready to die. And kept, him kept that child alive by simply quoting scripture and giving the child my testimony of salvation. You can conquer Satan with your testimony and with scripture by the blood of Christ. You won't do it any other way. So I'm going to present this in sort of that way, the testimony of the pentagram. A pentagram, that's my first point, testimony of a pentagram, pentagram and you've probably, if you've listened to me much, you've probably heard little pieces of this off and on in my, uh, in my preaching. And the first one that comes to mind, my first encounter with an actual demon worshiper, an actual devil worshiper, and explained to me, took time to explain to me why he did that. And it was in the military. A pentagram is a five-star point, a uh, figure of, five-pointed star, usually made with alternative points connecting by the continuous line and use as magic or occult symbol. A similar six-pointed star, such as Solomon's seal, is not to be confused with it. The five points of the star represent four classical elements. The four classical elements are fire, water, earth, air, and self, or the spirit you're worshiping. That's what a five-star pentagram's about. I rounded on guard duty one night in the military. I rounded the barracks. This was on home ground, and I rounded the corner, and there was a man etching chalk with candles on a pentagram in the sidewalk, big sidewalk. And he had drawn the circle and meticulously laid out a pentagram on it and had candles burning in all four corners and was praying in the middle of it. And I rounded the corner, presented my arms, and said, Halt, who goes there? And he says, It's me. He says, leave me alone. I says, what are you doing? He says, I'm worshiping my God. I says, who's your God? What do you mean? He says, 
Satan's my God. He's all-powerful, all-knowing. Give me the whole spill. And I says, you know, I, I'm a Christian. I, I believe in Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. I've accepted him as my all-knowing, all-powerful God, or part of my God. I have the Trinity. He says, don't talk to me no more about those things. I says, obviously, you know there's a God because you've already stated you believe in the devil. And I says, why do you believe in the devil? And he looked up for me in his little huddled little deal. He had a hoodie on, too. <laughs> and not that hoodies are that bad, but it was just like you'd see in the comics. And he looked up at me, and he says, he says, I tried to be good. I knew I could never be good. I'm going to be bad because I'm going to seek the rewards he has for me in this world. I'm not worried about the next. And if I'm bad enough, he'll reward me here on this earth, and I'll be rewarded by him in the next world, as if Satan has any control of the next world. But uh, he was gambling on that. He placed his faith, his love, and his dedication on what I just told you. That's what Halloween's all about. No, it's just giving kids candy. Well, you haven't seen Halloween like I have. So, I backed up. I says, to each his own, I'll go my way, you go yours. Later on, I prayed with him, had a final confrontation with him, and when we selected teams for uh, various athletic events that we had in the military, they encouraged them then. The Olympics were coming on, and they were trying to divide us up in, into our physical capabilities. They were looking for teams, and I made the military wrestling team. But before that, I had to win at Pugo Sticks. Pugo Sticks is where you beat each other up with a club, <laughs> but it's padded on both ends. He was a champion of his unit. I knew his power. And I prayed and fasted. And I faced him the next time. And I was scared to death. I'm fighting a guy who represents the devil. And everybody else knew I was Holy Joe. And that's how it all fell in. The last time I seen him alive, he was on his knees before me, getting a pugil stick in the face. The Lord said, you can beat any devil. You just, you just have to pick me for the team. So there's my brag in that regard. But that's the first thing I learned in my first encounter with somebody who worships the devil. Wasn't that infamous, and it wasn't so terrible. But I went on. There's two verses that I picked for this. Galatians 4.10, wherefore... Well, one verse, the verse I think of and that I thought of uh, whenever I speak of this is, Wherefore thou art no more a servant but a son, and if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. This is Galatians 4, 7 through 13. I'll read to you. You can find it. I'm in Colossians. We'll be there in a few minutes. But in Galatians 4, Wherefore thou art no more a servant but a son, I'm not a servant of God. I'm a son of God. And that's what I claimed when I faced off with that individual. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ, howbeit then when you know not God, ye did serve them unto them, which by nature are no gods. That's where he was. 
but now after that ye have known God, and rather ye know of God, how then ye again to weak and beggary elements whereto ye desire again to be in bondage. Why, why, why do I got to celebrate Halloween? I got Christmas. Why do I even have to think about Halloween? I got Christmas. I got Thanksgiving. I got a God that freed me from any of those supernatural stupidity, stupid things. And as a pastor, I've been subject to a few supernatural things in my day. You don't go plowing in somebody's field without them coming out and looking you eye to eye. And that's the unfortunate part about church planting. You're plowing in another man's field. Ye observe days, months, and times of years. I am afraid of you, lest I have bestowed upon you labor in vain. Brethren, I beseech you. He's talking to Christians here. Why go back to that old way? Why go back to those old holidays? I beseech you, be as I am, for I am as ye are. Ye have not injured me at all. Ye know how the all infirmities and through the, the infirmities of the flesh I preach the gospel unto you at the first. First and foremost, I'll preach the gospel of Christ. First and foremost, we have responsibilities to who? Christ. Okay, that's the testimony of the pentagram. That was my introduction to devil worshipers. I'm about 18, 20 years old maybe at the most. Goes on when I got out of the service. Took a job working for one of the wealthiest doctors in Wisconsin. If you know anything about Wisconsin as a state, it's a swing state right now. They talk about Wisconsin and Michigan all the time. And Wisconsin uh, has a lot of colleges in it, highly educated, bunch of Germans. <laughs> and they're highly educated. One of the worst towns in that country. I've seen Baptists. I've seen, it, can, it, it don't matter if you're what denomination, I've seen good Christian men get run out of Madison, Wisconsin. I've been down the streets in Madison, Wisconsin the day after Valentine's Day or the day after uh, St. Patrick's Day and seen beer literally running out of the taverns down to the streets. That town is a rough town. You know what that town turns out more than anything out of their college? Gay Mordens. <laughs> I'll tell you, take a survey of the 60-some gay Mordens on this island, and you're going to find out half of them at least graduated from Madison, Wisconsin. Biggest conservation college. I don't know what relationship it has to this, but it's an evil town. <laughs> it is. <laughs> and uh, it's rough. And so... I'm outside of Madison, Wisconsin. I get a job for one of the biggest ranchers left in the state. Left in the state as it was developing. Had cattle and horses and hogs by the thousands. Had introduced Herefords. If you know anything about the white-faced red cows, they're real popular in the westerns, you know. He had introduced them to the state. He was a doctor. He was a surgeon. Had more money to know what to do with. Was kind of a wicked fellow. I'm sure he'd been in some wrong predicaments and the wrong times and the wrong places because of the different things that I look back now that plagued him. One of the things that plagued him is I went out on his field to survey the cattle one morning, check on how they were doing. It was my job. Then I went over to feed the horses, and eventually I went over and fed the pigs. It takes all day to do any of those. 
but I'd make sure that those things were initiated and started. And I looked out across the field and seen six, six no, seven cows laying. That's peculiar. Went back a couple hour later, they were still laying there. So I walked out there, and I seen right away there was some blood and some, by the way they were positioned, I thought somebody had shot them and butchered them or attempted to butcher them. And see, when you have poachers like that, they can't carry away a whole cow. They just take and cut a limb off of it, usually the hindquarters, maybe the back straps out of it, or maybe even sometimes the shoulder, and they'll take that thing off and run off with it and have steak for a few days. Leave the whole cow there a waste. There was seven cows there. Not a limb taken off of them. Not one hair damaged on them except under their tail. Took the sexual organs out of them. The police came. I says, what in the world? That's not like poachers. He said, son, you know, we're just outside of that big mad town. They call it mad town. He says, there's people over there worshiping the devil. He says, it's rolling up here on Halloween. And they're getting their potions and their preparations all ready for the holiday. The highest black holiday in the world is Halloween. You know what the second one is? Christmas. See, the devil has a counterfeit for everything. And Halloween is his special day. He doesn't have anything he's competing with that day. And uh, he says, what do they use that for? He says, oh, they make potions. He says, let me show you something. So I went for a ride with him, and we went out to a little grove. That's what went through my mind. A grove, just like in the time before Solomon <laughs> or after Solomon, whatever you want to put, where they worshiped in the groves. A little clearing in the middle of the field. A stone altar was made, and he says, we watch this place all the time. And you could see carcasses of dogs and cats, people's pets. He says, we're all right if that's all that shows up here. But he says, they, they use this all the time. It takes place seven times a year, Halloween being the high day. Halloween is when they don't use the dogs and cats. They find some child somewhere and they sacrifice them to their God. That is what Halloween's all about if you're on the police force, and I was after a while. So, the testimony of cattle, Romans 1.25, professing themselves to be wise, they become fools, and change the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like a corruptible man, birds and four-footed beasts and creepy things, wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanliness, through the lust of their own hearts, to dishonor their own bodies between themselves, who change the truth of God into a lie and worship the serve and serve the creed, cre creature more than the Creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. Misplaced affections and love. See, the devil's out to hurt God. He hates his creation. You're the epitome of God's creation. Each one of us in this room. God loved you so much, he sent his son to die for you. He created you in his image. No, God isn't bald, but what we have, it, we, he does have two eyes and he has two ears. And I don't even, and I don't think he's white either. <laughs> but 
we're all created in his image, and the devil's out to destroy that image. That's why we got people growing red hair now and purple hair. That's just the mildest. That's why some of us carve ourselves up. You go to the deepest, darkest Africa, and they put hash marks on their cheeks and across their body, and they make it scar. They rub dirt and feces into it, and they have these big welts that run across their chest, male and female, and all over their bodies decorate themselves just like they do down at the tattoo shop in California. And that's the devil trying to mar God's body. And if he can't mar your body with sin... He's going to mar your body with stupidness, like I just described, or he's going to kill your dog, and he's going to kill your cat. He's out to destroy mankind any way he can. Romans 14, 5 through 6. This is what keeps me sane on Halloween, and this is what keeps me going, because you know last Halloween I sat right there by them doors and handed out chick tracks about Halloween and some candy. I got no problem with that, because I'm going to destroy the devil with the testimony. I'm going to use that as an opportunity to witness the gospel of Christ. But this is the verse that gets me through this and Christmas. And any other time I disagree with what's happening, it says, one man esteemeth one day above another. Another esteemeth every day alike. Let every man be fully persuaded in his own mind. He that regardeth the day regardeth it unto the Lord, and he that regardeth not the day to the Lord, he doth not regard it. He that eateth, eateth to the Lord, for he giveth God thanks. He that eateth not to the Lord, he eateth not and giveth God thanks. That last part is what separates me from a devil worshiper or you from a devil worshiper. So I'm not going to come down... I'm not, I'm not telling everybody you're wrong to even look at Halloween. I'm going to share with you the truth. But you've got to know both sides of the truth. <laughs> testimony of the cattle, the testimony of the pentagram, and the last one is the testimony of a soul. The testimony of the soul. Now, I've had interactions with people that were, quote, demon-possessed. I've had, I, would, I was under the misfortune of being a, having a pastor once that specialized in exorcism. I was exposed to it enough. I've seen it. I don't want to enter even into the, I know enough about uh, that particular realm of things. I'm not going to say whether saved people can be possessed or not. I've seen people that profess to be saved that were demon-possessed, but I have not seen anybody who was ever saved that I knew was saved that was demon-possessed. We are greater than he that's within me than he that's in the world. But you've got to remember, you're dealing with somebody who's in the world. When you go to the grocery store and buy that pound of candy, you're dealing with somebody most likely who's in the world. And somebody who knocks on your door and hollers trick-or-treat might not be aware of it, but they're probably very much in the world. The testimony of a soul, ignorant. Uh, innocent is what I got down here. Innocent in the English language means childlike, blameless, clean, gentleness, unconsciousness, easily deceived and not guilty. The devil's looking to destroy anybody in those regards. When he offers something on the altar, it's not one of his own. 
not one of his own children. It's one of God's children. And when I was a kid, they used to scare you half to death. Remember you used to have to carry a dime in your, in your purse, <laughs> in your wallet, or in that case, my case, I had a dime in my shoe. Because when we went to the big city, we'd have to we'd go to the movies or something like that. We had a dime so we could go to the phone booth and call mom if we got lost or anybody tried to pick us up or chase us. And it seems kind of removed, doesn't it? It seems kind of far-fetched. The cattle should come to earth a little bit because, you know, we're kind of country people. Although they had cattle on this island, they're not here any longer. But, you know, it's way out in the country. It's in the deep city, too, demon worshipers. And I was starting a church in a little town, 6,000 people in the whole town. Church is there today. I visited just last year. Wonderful little church, Pilgrim Baptist Church, because a pilgrim was I in a wandering, and however it goes, I can't remember. I'm not supposed to be there today. Uh, But the church is still there. One of my biggest soul winners in the church, by soul winners, I mean who brought people in, was a little girl, blonde girl. She had a boyfriend. She'd bring a different boyfriend every weekend. (laughs) And they want to get married in two weeks. And I'd face that as a pastor, and the next thing I realized is if you, wait, if you tell them to wait a month, she'll have a different boyfriend by then. <laughs> and that's how I got through that. <laughs> but one of the single men in the church, uh, a, a young man, he died just last year. He was 54 years old and uh, was still in that church till he died. He brought a girl to church we met. And that girl came to church, and she sat through a message, and she says, I need to talk to you, preacher, after, after church. I need to talk to you about this thing called salvation. And I says, sure, I'll be glad to talk to you. And I stood with her behind, uh, out on the sidewalk of the church. And uh, as people left, and we discussed salvation. And when we were all done talking about salvation, This gal was innocent looking. She was probably in her, I was probably in my early 30s. She was in her early 20s. Peaches and cream complexion. And back in the late 70s, early 80s, when this probably took place, girls with peaches and cream complexions were pretty rare. meant that either they were Mormon, Christian science, or real devout Baptist raised or something where they ate no sugar, didn't have a candy bar, never drank a pop. You could spot them a mile away. Their skin looked like it was that thick. And she had blue eyes, dishwater blonde hair, decently proportioned, nice-looking young lady, and uh, just as innocent-looking as they come. And she said to me, Preacher, you don't understand. God can't forgive me of what I've done. And I says, no, no, God can forgive you of anything. And I start, she says, no, let me tell you. And I says, I don't want to hear it. At that age, I already picked up too much baggage from other people. I don't need to know your sin. I just need to deal with how to get rid of it. I don't need to know each one because God's not prejudiced. He'll take care of any sin you got. (laughs) And we had that demonstrated in the message this morning man who ran around naked in the tombs. And so 
I told her, I says, David killed Bathsheba. I says, or, you know, killed Bathsheba's husband. <laughs> that gets pretty. And I says, you know, you, you can't name a sin. She goes, no, you don't understand. And with tears running down my face, her face, she's going, I was involved with demon worship. We'd drive around in a van, me and another gal, two other guys, three other guys, and I'd take a little kitty and throw it out on the sidewalk or a puppy and get out there and drive around. And as soon as some kids gathered around that puppy, uh, we'd stop and we'd go out, us two girls, and we'd go out and talk about the puppy and, oh, you found it, come here, I'll take you and we'll just, we'll just take it home, it's just down the street. And they'd get the girl in, the, preferably a girl, in the van and the guys that hit her up with heroin or something, I don't know all the popular drugs of the day, and dope them up. And then they take them and save them for the holidays. She said, you don't understand. Those kids were innocent. And, you know, abortion would have been a little, one thing, but they were killing babies for the mass, for the black mass, for Halloween. And for the seven other days, most of them are marked by the solstice, but the holidays that they deemed necessary because they wanted that pure and innocent sacrifice. Can your kids stand up against that? Would they jump into a van with a puppy and some little innocent-looking lady and try to rescue the dog, take it down to the pound or whatever story they made up? Do they know that there's a black world out there that it's not to be trifled with, you're not to dress up and imitate? Do they, they know there's a life after death? Do they know the powers of darkness that challenge each one of us every day for our eternal life. Not only our eternal life, but the more innocent they are, their physical life. See, the devil demands sacrifice just as much as God would like us to sacrifice. And he takes it out on the children. And to train up a child in the way he should go is still a verse in my Bible. And I wouldn't want them getting involved with a holiday that gives one inkling towards Satan. One hint, one witch, one demon, one vampire. You know where vampires come from? Europe. There was a guy there who thought he was a vampire, killed people and drank their blood. Demon possessed to the hilt. Oh, really? How about the walking dead? You want to go that street? Zombies and vampires and stuff, and we're going to dress up. You know what a zombie is. It's a guy who plays video games all night. <laughs> but that's the way you need it. But you don't start out by celebrating a holiday with the bunch. Be not unequally yoked, my Bible says, with unbelievers. What are you doing when you jump in the van? You're being unequally yoked with an unbeliever. What do you do when you go to a Halloween party? You're being unequally yoked with a non-believer. Because a Christian who knows what they're doing, who's not stupid, 
knows what Halloween's about. We're innocent, but there's no excuse for that. Second Timothy, for men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetousness, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, innocent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God, having the form of godliness but denying the power thereof, from such turn away. For of this sort are there which creep into houses and leave captivity single, silly women laden with their sins. That's what I had standing in front of me. Somebody sought that poor girl out in a time of confusion. And instead of just putting her on the altar, trained her to put others on the altar. And I had that much of a chance to affect her life. And before I preached this message, I prayed for her again. I don't know where she's at today. I know she's not innocent anymore. I know she's accountable now. I know she knows the gospel. But it's what motivates me to preach this message is the fact that I'd like to see that person saved. I'd like to see her come out from the tombs and realize what God's done for her life. And it motivates me. Now as Janice and Jambers understood Moses, so do these also re resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds reprobate concerning the faith. I'm not reprobate concerning our faith. Colossians chapter 2 verse 16. And you being dead in your sins and uncircumcised of your flesh, hath he quickened together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses, blotting out the handwriting and the ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to the cross. And having spoiled the principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them. Jesus Christ on the cross before Calvary, took your sins and put them up there. Don't you think Satan's mad? Don't you think he's looking for an out? Don't you think he's looking for an opportunity to get your children? Don't you think he's looking for an opportunity to, to kill your children, to kill you, spiritually or emotionally? Let no man therefore judge you in meat or in drink or in respect of a, of a holiday, of an holiday, or in the new moon or in the Sabbath. You think this is a new problem, something like Halloween, huh? We don't have them doing orgies up here at the end of the street. That's what the early Christians were doing. They're doing that right now in black masses. This all this month, right now. Everything you ever read about Sodom and Gomorrah is happening right now in a black church in the evening. We had a full moon just the other day. It took place, and they probably killed somebody. The statistics last I checked were over 98 deaths recorded as missing people they found dead after Halloween last year. 98, that don't seem like many. Well, now with the uh, great multitude of children coming across the border, it's, it's skyrocketed. It's, it's easy pickings. Galatians 
Wherefore thou art no more a servant, but a son, and if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. Howbeit then that ye know not God, did, ye did serve unto them which by nature are no gods. But now after that ye have known God, and rather ye are known of God. How then ye again to the weak and to the beggary elements, whereunto ye desire again to be in bondage. Ye observe days and months and times and years. I am afraid, lest I have bestowed upon you labor in vain. Paul had the same problem. Same problem. Brethren, I beseech you, as I am, for I am as ye are, ye have not injured me at all. You know how through the infirmities of the flesh I preach to you, unto you the gospel at first. My responsibility towards you is Halloween is I'm clear of it. And I read you three verses that also said you have the right to celebrate any day you want, any way you want. You have been washed in the blood if you have accepted Christ as your personal Savior, and God will work with you. But don't ask me to do any Halloween this year, okay? I love you people. I feel responsible. I haven't begun to touch the audacities that take place when they torture these kids, when they butcher them, when they defile them any possible way you can imagine. I've seen it. I don't want to share it. And uh, God will bless you if you uh, give up Halloween. I don't see any reason I should even acknowledge it. But I think we all need to we all need to come to terms with it. So I have to answer to God for every, every one of your souls here tonight. Did I share the gospel with you? Yes. Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins. He loves each one of you. No matter what your past is, he loves you. That little girl could have got saved. She could have changed her life and defied the devil if she'd accepted Christ as a personal Savior because there's no sin he won't forget. He doesn't only forgive, he forgets. He puts it as far as the east is from the west. He puts it into the depths of the sea. And you'll be clean and pure in his eyes as you stand before your maker one day. Jesus Christ will intercede on your behalf and the Holy Spirit will give you the words to plead. And Jesus Christ will say, he's one of us. He's my son. He's your stepson. He's your grandson to the heavenly father. He'll do it. All you have to do is ask him into your life and into your heart, and he'll make all things new. Behold, old things are passed away. All things shall become new to them that love him and are called according to his purpose. God loves you.